Okay, everybody, welcome to Investing with IVD podcast, sponsored this week by Vantage Point. It's Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. I'm your host, Justin Nielsen, and on today's show, we are pleased to announce a new change to the format. We are going to have a reoccurring special guest star. You know him, you love him. It's the former host of Investing with IBD, Arusha Pires, who is an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager and Analyst at William O'Neill and Company. Welcome back to the show, Arusha. Hey, Justin, it's great to be back. I, I missed it. It's good, good to see that you kept the, the place uh, pretty nice. And, uh, <laughs> hey, at and, least I uh, wear a, a, a jacket, you know. You, uh, you've always, you wore a jacket when you were the guest. You <laughs> right. know? You, 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 it's always been your goal to make me look bad since I like to wear polo shirts. Well, in a way, though, I think you're going to be bringing a, a whole new level to the podcast or a, a whole new level back. Um, the way that I look at it as your special guest star status, you are the Heather Locklear of our Melrose Place here. And it's, it's going to be nice because you're going to get paid more. You're going to be bringing in all the drama and, of course, um, you know, boosting the rating. So that's, that's what you're here for. So make sure you do your job, Arusha. Well, I, I can tell you for, well, maybe for boosting the ratings, uh, maybe the special thing, uh, definitely not the pay. Uh, they're definitely going to pay more for this, but uh... um, okay. So what we're going to cover today, we're of course going to get into the markets. We're going to talk a little bit about using persistence and preparation, especially to handle a choppy market. And then, as always, we are going to get into a few stock ideas that are on Arusha's radar right now, uh, especially with that analyst status. Uh, he's doing all these uh, analyzing of stocks. Um, I should also mention that you are a frequent panelist on IBD Live. So uh, for people that just can't get enough of Arusha, which a lot of people can't. Uh, that's another place that they can see you regularly. Um, so Arusha, let's go ahead and start with the NASDAQ composite. Last week was really strong. We had that reversal. Uh, we just briefly went below the 21-day moving average line and then just snapped right back above it. It certainly seems like buy on the dips is strong with this one. Yeah, and, and it seems like every few weeks, this market's going to test you and it's going gonna, it's gonna to test you uh, it, it, pretty hard it, it for maybe four or five hours and right. it's going to be a brutal four or five hours and and if you watch the market too closely like i've watched a few times when, when these markets have sold off uh you may get shaken out of, of some positions so it, it's going to test you and then it just seems like it snaps back and you know justin i i maybe we're just becoming old fuddy-duddies here because <laughs> We talk about these things that were called corrections, right? That apparently Back never in my happened. Day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> apparently never happened anymore, because uh, we've been doing this for a long time. And whenever we would see the markets get hit so hard and our stocks get hit so hard, we were trained years ago to slowly lighten up. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, protect yourself. Defense is the most important thing. But these markets, they they almost have those corrections in four or five hours, and now they've reco recovered. And so everyone else who's been learning this maybe the last 10 years, they've really been conditioned to, hey, let's buy those dips. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, they, they've been rewarded, uh, while the old fuddy-duddies have sometimes gotten, a, at least me being the old fuddy-duddy, has <laughs> sometimes gotten a shaken out of some positions. Well, and I guess when, when, whenever anyone says buy on the dips to me, it just makes me think back to when I first started in the late 90s, that was the mantra. You know, all, all you have to do is buy on the dips. And that worked great up until 2000, where the people that were buying, and again, 
what everyone was talking about at that time was Cisco and Yahoo and all you have to do is a Microsoft, all you have to do is buy them on the dips and you'll be fine, which worked until it didn't. Uh, you know, in 2000, people starting to buy those on the dips uh, were really suffering. Uh, I mean, Cisco was at $82 or something like that, went down to one. Microsoft, that did come back to new highs, but it took, what, 15 years for it to do so. Um, but I will say that one of the things more recently, kind of as you mentioned for the newer crowd, uh, the buy on the dips, does remind me of a little bit is 2017. And I'm gonna go ahead and switch to a weekly chart. And if you recall in 2017, we had this phenomenal run. And during this, during this time period, the S&P 500, if I remember correctly, never corrected more than 3.4% for that entire year. So it was just one of those things where uh, it, it, was, it was strangely tough because there was all this rotation underneath the surface. So while the indexes were continuing up, it wasn't always the same stocks that were doing it, or those stocks would have some fairly violent uh, corrections, but then they'd come right back. So you had this kind of choice uh, to, to you know, decide, am I going to be holding through these corrections because they end up being minor? Am I going to sell into strength? Uh, am I going to sell into weakness and then potentially be selling at the lows and then be scrambling back to get into the positions that I lost? Um, there's, there's a lot of ways to mess it up. So how do you, how do you manage to get through this uh, intact and actually making money? And this is, I mean, that, that's the question. And in many ways, that's the million dollar question right there, <laughs> right. Justin. Multi-million. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I think we all have to answer that for ourselves because we're all, all right. going to react to stock movements differently. We're all going to be able to handle the volatility a little differently. Uh, what the kind of the conclusion that I have come to multiple times and then I, and I seem to forget in those those kind of moments where I'll panic just for that brief second and all of a sudden I've sold too much stock uh, is try to give give these stocks even when they get when they're selling off till the end of the day, at least. Yeah. And, and so what, I, what I've been trying to condition myself is, especially these gap downs, when, when, when the market is gapping down hard, your stocks are starting to break. And the problem is, is that, especially if you're studying our system and you're in our stocks, all of our stocks will go down at the same time. It's, it's yeah. amazing. I mean, how, how tied everything is together. It doesn't matter. A lot of times it doesn't even matter what industry groups they're in. They're all going to come down. And so it's not just one stock that's down four or 5%. You could have five, six stocks down four or 5%. So your portfolio is getting hit really hard. So what I've been trying to tell myself, especially in that, that morning when I, when I look, I'm like, oh my God, this is getting worse and worse and worse, is I'm just telling myself that I'm already, I'm already in trouble at this point it's like might as well try to just give it to the end of the day i'm already mm -hmm. i'm already done let's try to walk away from the screen and and see how it closes and so we had that we had that type of day yesterday where it, it wasn't right at the morning but probably like an hour an hour and a half i think into into the open market really started selling off it's like whoa what's going on here uh and a lot of times, usually what I'll do is I'll just start watching the screen way too closely, right? And the more you watch the screen, the more you're right at your, your platform, the more reasons you're going to find a trade and do something. And a lot right. of times it's do something unnecessary. 
so what I did this time to try to do something myself. just for the sake of doing something. Exactly. Because you feel like you do. Exactly. Yeah. You feel I like have, you have to, to do, do something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what what I what I try to do this time, because a lot of this is you, you just almost got go, going like kind of an automated response where it's almost unconscious. Right. You don't even realize sometimes what you're doing. It's like a lot of things. You know, you that's why people eat on uh, out of control, you know, start snacking, all this right. kind of stuff. Uh, Without thinking about it, autopilot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The autopilot, you get triggered and you go on autopilot and you just start doing those actions to resolve you know, resolve that, you know, that pain or whatever that you're feeling at that time. And then you but, jump on uh, your Peloton afterwards. <laughs> no, if I did that, I would, if that was the case, I'd probably be a hundred pounds lighter, Justin, <laughs> uh, with all the pain I have this, what the market has uh, created uh, <laughs> over the years. But uh, so what I did this time is I try to break that kind of autopilot response and I went to work. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I left my place and I went to the office and I said, okay. okay, I'm going to go to the office, go to a completely different change of scenery, change of scenery, kind of get away from those triggers that mm-hmm. can get you in that autopilot. And also I had a number of people, you know, there are a number of people I knew who were at work uh, at the office. And so I could distract myself by, you know, bothering right. them. Yeah. And, uh, and it helped. It actually helped because I didn't do anything the whole day. I didn't watch the market until the very end. And a number of those stocks actually came back. It, because all the people who are trained to buy the dips apparently started buying the dips again. Right. So, and to that but, point, though, I mean, I, I just want to point out because what we were looking at on uh, last week, on the 19th, what was interesting about that is, again, you had that brutal gap down in the, in the morning, and it seemed like midday you started to see some reversals in individual stocks even before the market did. So this is why sometimes, you know, just being aware of where the movement is, um, is, is useful, you know, and it, at least in this case, we at least had a few days down in the NASDAQ. So it wasn't just like a, what you're referring to yesterday where it was just one day down and then oh, that's it, we're, we're, we're back, right. never mind. Mm-hmm. But it's even that day you highlighted because I fell into the trap there because it was kept getting worse and worse. And then that gap down, it was like, I can't take the penny anymore. And, and right. I sold too, too many things. Uh, and then I had a, you know, I felt like an idiot by the end of the day because I had to go back and buy a number of those things back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with- but- uh, Thank goodness you did, because that's something a lot of people refuse to do. They say, well, I can't buy it back now. It's at a higher price. And it's almost like this psychological thing where I'm going to look stupid. No, nobody's looking at you. You know, nobody's no, nobody's watching you that closely. So, well, for you, well, they, they, they might be watching us <laughs> because, because you're, you're a portfolio manager. So someone's looking at your sheet. But oh, for the most true. part, it's one of those things you don't have to worry about. Uh, you just you just do what's right and what your rules tell you to do. Now, and which is absolutely true, I, I think one thing that everyone can do, and I'm, I'm keep telling myself this too, is so not only not watch the screens, just don't watch the screens that much, right? Remember, you plan your trade, trade your plan. So when you buy those stocks, before you buy the stocks, you need to, you already should know where your exit strategies are, right? especially mm-hmm. the downside. Right. So the best thing you could do is if you, once, once you get into those stocks, you have those exit strategies, the downside, set some alerts in place, even set some stops and don't watch it that much, right? And those alerts will let you know mm-hmm. if those stocks are getting in trouble or when you should start looking at them again. If you need to stop your distractions and start paying attention. And I, I, I think, yeah, and, and that almost goes to, you know, what, where you will run, you know, there are plenty of people out there who've held Tesla, right, for last eight, 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, they're up absurd amounts and they rolled through every little wiggle and wobble and all that kind of stuff 
simply because they just didn't watch it. Right. They they're looking at a kind of I'm holding for the long term and stuff like that. And and yes, that can work at that can definitely work when you pick the right stocks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is there is looking at charts is almost a blessing and a curse because it helps you really time your spies. It helps you manage your risk. But once you learn how to read charts, you have a tendency to watch them too much. Right. And And this is also where the time frames can make a big difference. If you're looking at an intraday chart man, it looks like it's cratering. You step back to a daily, a weekly, or a monthly, and it's just a blip. Exactly. Yeah. So it is time frames. It's putting in perspective. And it's also realizing that if the more you watch charts and the more you look for a reason to, to buy or sell a stock, you're going to find that reason in the chart because uh, there, there are infinite ways to get in and out of stocks. Absolutely. So um, any, any last thoughts on the market? I mean, one of the things that we have been talking about is this, this hasn't been the broadest market. There still seems to be a lot of stocks out there that are working, that are setting up. Um, but you know, for a long time, it's really been about the trillion dollar club and market cap, uh, the, the Microsofts, the Googles uh, that have been really driving the NASDAQ uh, higher and, and the S&P 500 to a degree as well because of their heavy weights due to their market cap. Um, is that something you see improving a little bit? I, yeah, I think not only the, obviously not only the, the FANG stocks, these trillion dollar company stocks have been acting well. Uh, I, I think underneath the surface, even though it is, it's been so far a narrow rally, it seems like a, a number of the stocks are kind of stocks are more tech related growthy type of stocks. They're, they've been setting up over the last few weeks, over the last month or so. And there are a number of bases and a number of stocks that are starting to emerge out of bases. And so the way I look at it is over the last month, the market has given me more reasons to get more exposure to the market, right? To, to get more invested in this market. And, and so that is giving me optimism. So it's been very tricky, uh, uh, but I am optimistic. I, and I'm still optimistic for kind of us getting through August. Well, it could still be choppy at that point, but setting ourselves up for a nice fall rally with our, our type of uh, traditional growth stocks. So just with all the, with a number of the bases and more bases kind of forming and us getting through earnings season, and we'll talk more about earnings season. Uh, I'm, I'm getting more optim- optimistic and I'm, so I'm trying to do my best not to, not to get shaken out right. of some positions that I have right now. Sometimes the summer is just something you get through to hopefully get to the fall, which again, seasonally does tend to be one of the best time periods for our growth style of investing. So we're going to get into a lot more of that, as specifically what we were talking about, some of this persistence and preparation that you need to do. Uh, you were talking about having to trade your plan, uh, Arusha. So when we come back from the break, let's get into how you come up with that plan, how you deal with earnings season, and what kind of persistence you need to be successful at this game. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you feel like you're always late to the best trades? You don't have to kick yourself for those missed opportunities any longer. Today is your day. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence has helped traders of all experience levels with its predictive analysis forecasting. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how their AI automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you pick the best trade. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com to join a free live training session today. 
vantage points, patented artificial intelligence can give you a massive edge. Don't hesitate. Save your seat now. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Vantage Point. I'm your host, Justin Nielsen, and it's great to have Arusha Paris back in the house. Uh, Arusha, we were talking a little bit about this idea of plan your trade, trade your plan. Uh, what kind of things do you do to plan ahead so that you are not reacting emotionally, but more using your rules? Yeah, this is this is something that we we've spoken about a bunch. If you watch Mark Smith webinars over the years, or even listen to the podcast or IBD Live, uh, the planning the trade, and this was a, this was really a breakthrough for me because I was I was a customer for plenty of years. You know, I mean, there was once upon a time, Justin, that I, I look at Justin Nielsen and say, you know, I want to be like Justin Nielsen one day. When I grow up, I want to be like Justin Nielsen. Then you got but, to know me and yeah, you're, you're kind of a different I'm, idol. It's kind of like when you meet <laughs> when, when you meet your heroes, they Never always kind of disappoint. But, <laughs> but uh, no, no, so one of the breakthroughs when, when I was a customer was that a lot of times what I would try to do, and I think a lot, a lot of people when starting out, after, after you go to work, after work, you're like, oh, let me look at stocks. But the reality is during the weekdays, you're exhausted. You don't want to look at mm -hmm. stocks. You, you, you want to just, you know, watch TV and, and, and things like that. But uh, so it, it became, it, it was very hard for me to do it consistently, try to stay on top of the market. And I, I would notice the next day when I look at, get the IBD paper and stuff like that. I was like, oh my God, I missed another break and another break, another breakout. Uh, so eventually, and, and this was a huge kind of breakthrough and it took years for me to realize this is, hey, do most of the work on the weekend. Right. Come up with, come up with a game plan on the weekend, identify where the entry points are, set the alerts on the weekend and let the alerts tell you when those stocks are ready to move. And this way, during the weekdays, you don't have to do that much. You just have to monitor the stocks, monitor your alerts, and maybe just, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day, uh, just, just try to get an update on the market. You can watch Stock Market Today or something like that or read the big picture, and you really are still pretty much on top of the market. Uh, so that, that uh, planning ahead, thinking about what I'm going to do when the markets are not open, Right, because now I'm thinking when the emotions objectively. aren't yes. in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and, and eventually, you know, uh, just trying to anticipate. You know, I'm not buying ahead of the time, but trying to anticipate. Hey, this could be building the right hand side of a base. This could break out a few weeks from now. Uh, that really helped me get a little bit ahead of the game. And so when the stocks broke out. Once I had that plan in place, I knew exactly what what to buy, how many shares to buy, when to buy, and then I just had to put the the plan into place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was the same way. I mean, I remember when I first started out, uh, and again, this was before Investors.com was what it is today. So of course, you know, you were looking at the paper a lot of times, and it was uh, stocks on the move, uh, which was called where the big money's flowing back That's then. That's right. I it remember. was the bane of my existence because it was basically here's a list of everything you missed. Um, you know, these were the things that are moving on heavy volume. These were the things that you should have been in. And yeah. it was, it was, you know, it always made me feel bad. So the next day I'd be like, well, let me buy some of these. And 
it was invariably I was buying extended and you know after a while you as long as you're doing a post analysis and figuring out what your mistakes are you realize oh okay I, I just I wasn't doing my homework I wasn't looking I was able to identify the breakouts after the fact but you need to look for the setups you need to look for this you need to look for the stocks that are in the handle not the ones that have broken out of the handle so it, it definitely has a very different mindset and once you have that then you're absolutely right. Then it's just a matter of drawing the lines in the sand of, hey, it's either going to cross this point or it's not. Yeah, and I would say for those who are starting out right now, don't feel like you have to do like 10 hours a day, right? Yeah. And, and I've run across plenty of people who, who feel like that. And and, and Diminishing returns after a certain yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it, you're going to burn yourself out. If you do an hour on the weekends and then 10 minutes a day, you're going to stand top of the market. You'll probably outlast those who are doing, starting out doing 10 hours a day. Uh, because the reality is, is you're slowly building a habit to do yeah. work on the weekends mm -hmm. and you're building the consistency. And as we saw from, especially last year, you don't have to be a genius to do well in the markets. You just gotta be there at the right time. Right. And you know this consistency thing is, I think, something a lot of people miss. Uh, one of the things that uh, Scott O'Neill would frequently say about his dad, Bill O'Neill, the founder of Investors Business Daily, is how consistent he was with his routine. Every Saturday morning, the books would be delivered to his house, and he would be going through charts. You know, and that's just what he did. It was something that Scott could, uh, you know, just remember being at the breakfast table, uh, and you you saw that discipline. You know, kind of come out in everything that Bill did. You know, it was just he that was his routine. So he was never surprised by something. It was never like, oh, where did this come from? That's not something I was even aware of. It was, oh yeah, I remember looking at that this weekend. Uh, you know, so that there there was never the surprises. Uh, it, it seems like because he did that preparation and that consistency. Uh, what you find too by being consistent is you're gonna you're going to be just aware of everything that's kind of moving, you know, and maybe at first there's a learning curve because you're starting off. Maybe you don't know all the names, but then you start seeing the same names over and over as week after week, their setup continues. And then you get a little bit quicker because, oh, I already know that one. I know the story on that one. Oh yeah. I, I, I can move on a little bit quicker because I don't have to do as in-depth research. And then you're kind of that consistency has built you almost like your own little database for that current market cycle. Yeah, and, and and your knowledge and expertise within that cycle starts to compound, right? And and so it just builds on itself like you were talking about. And eventually, as you start putting it together, then your money starts to compound too. Right. And there's nothing like a little bit of success to really get you addicted to things. I mean, yeah, um, I have to say that, again, I was a little lucky in the time that I started. It was the late 90s. And that made it so, hey, I I immediately had some pretty good success. Uh, the problem was I thought that it was always that easy. And so I, I had some bad habits that I, I attested to my own uh, brilliance that were really just the fact that it was late 90s and everything was going up. Uh, so uh, I guess it's, it's that other part, the humility part that you eventually learn. You know, if, if you don't come in with it, um, the market will make sure you leave with it. Uh, it. It has a way of humbling you. So have there been any of those times that you've kind of uh, felt like, okay, this, this has kind of taught me that I still have work to do. 
Oh, I, I feel like almost every week it, it right. teaches me, right? It, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the market the market is the ultimate humbling uh, place. I mean, I mean, there's that saying that you know the market's a very expensive uh, expensive way to find out who you are, right? <laughs> because it's going to unveil more expensive you. than therapy, huh? <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna need a lot of therapy. Right. You know, control your losses in the market yeah. for sure, but. Uh, it's going to expose your weaknesses. If you are stubborn, if you think you're right all the time, you're going to ride some of these stocks down big time and not listen to the market, and, and you're going to take huge losses. Uh, and so, if you're not if you're not preparing enough, you're not doing uh, if you're not doing the work, you're going to miss out on a lot of great stocks, right? So, the the market is going to unveil those weaknesses, and it's up to you to kind of realize that. You, you got to learn from your mistakes. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. That's probably, the, I, I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of really smart people have trouble in the markets, at least trying to do what, follow our system, I guess, you know, it is uh, a lot of smart people, they're used to being right all the time, right? Because right. I mean, if, if you're a, if you're a mathematician and, or, or stuff like that, a lot of it's black and white, right? Yeah, there, you're there's, really good there's a at right it. answer, there's a wrong answer. Exactly. You know? But in the market, there isn't a black and white answer. There's just gray. Yeah. And it just you did how... all the work and you think it's the right answer, but statistically, guess what? There was this chance it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you could be, you really could have identified the greatest stock in the greatest market coming out of the greatest base in the greatest industry group and still be wrong in the market, right? Some COVID could hit just like last year, right? right? Where something out of the blue could just completely wipe you out that you did not anticipate. So always realizing that the market's right, that you're going to make mistakes and it's important for you to learn mistakes uh, will keep you getting better at this. And I, I, as like you said before, Justin, it, it's, it becomes more fun. You know, right. you become more obsessed with it. Uh, and, and, it, and it really makes you appreciate all of the new companies that are coming out and changing the world and, and, and things like that. Because it, 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 the world, is the, this country especially, is changing all the time, right? It's hard not to be excited about it. Exactly. These stories, right. Now, I, I want to get back to this idea of persistence because we were talking about how, how great it is when you do have a little bit of success. But sometimes it can be a while before that success comes. And especially... Uh, you know, for those that maybe started in 2020, you know, as, as the shutdown happened and people were at home and they're like, hey, you know, I got some time on my hands. I can, you know, learn about investing. Uh, now they've gotten an example of what really has been a pretty choppy market the last few months. And it hasn't been easy. So can you talk a little bit about what you've learned about persistence uh, and how that's helped, you know, sometimes, you know, get you through uh, uh, tougher periods? Yeah, it, it, the way I look at it, and this goes back to the consistency part, mm -hmm. where if you just hang around long enough, if you survive long enough, and you tread water long enough, you're, the markets are eventually going to turn around, and you can make those losses back uh, and, and recover from those mistakes, as long as you keep those losses small, of course, right? You don't want to be riding these stocks down and hoping that they, these companies come back, because some of them might not. But what happens, you, you really have to get through a couple of cycles, I think, where you have to be persistent enough to get through, through a couple of cycles where you start to see it and start to build experience on it. Once you have that experience, you can kind of lean on that experience and say, mm -hmm. you know what? I've gone through this before. 
I've had to pick myself up. And honestly, I mean, there have been, I mean, countless times where I've wanted to quit this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just question, <laughs> question everything. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> it's just... Well, especially like, and I've, I've been here, you know, where it's, you look at the S&P 500 and you're like, I did all of this work and I just matched the S&P 500. Right. Or maybe I didn't even match the S&P 500. Right. And right. you're like, what was all that work for? Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and you go through these periods where you are wrong. Everything you touch, you're wrong. I, I remember, gosh, this was like a few months ago, I bought Eli Lilly mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like maybe five minutes before it closed. The next oh, day, right. it gapped down like 10%. Yeah, it was not an earnings or anything. It, it was just randomly just some bad news came out yeah. and gapped down. And that was like, that was a string you know, after a few other string of stocks uh, mm-hmm. falling apart. But that was kind of just like the last straw. They're like, <laughs> I, I'm snake bitten right now. Anything I touch is, is just blowing up. Is, so- is there an opposite to the Midas touch? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> right. The Arusha touch. Exactly. <laughs> it's and I but I remembered in 2018 I went through a period like that too where I had Netflix I was like I'm gonna hold Netflix into earnings it gapped down like 15 percent or some absurd amount Uh, it's like how 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 could a Netflix gap down that much and then I held Facebook I'll hold Facebook it gapped down 10 15 percent it's just like and it took me like a it, it took me probably a year to recover from that it just because the market was choppy i couldn't get the sink and i just had to survive long enough for the markets to trend well enough that i could uh you know hack some stocks that were trending well again and so uh so with those experiences and and experiences in the past where i've really got myself in trouble I've, i've been able to dig myself out of the hole before and so i you can kind of lean on that experience and say okay so this time around, when I, when I especially the Eli Lilith, okay, I'm snake bitten right now. Don't trade that much, mm-hmm. right? Or play a lot smaller and let's survive. And so probably those next few months, because of the previous experiences, I didn't lose as much. I, I was still losing, but right. I was playing with smaller amounts. So my equity curve was going down a little bit slower. Yeah. Uh, and it, it wasn't just because uh, it, it, that was a pretty, that was a pretty tough time and you can lose a lot of money. It's, it's pretty amazing. Even though the, S&P still going up. And you you're good at cutting your losses. You know, it's, yeah, again, yeah. you had some gap downs and uh, again, or what's even worse sometimes is you can kind of get this death by a thousand cuts. Yes. Yeah, I cut my losses small, but I had 50 of them in a row. So it didn't matter that I cut them small. Um, so yeah, that's- And, that's, and, and that, that does bring up a good point there, Justin, is if you, a lot of times if I'm like five, six in a row wrong, I, I just have to stop trading for a while. Mm-hmm. Or, or just just really okay i'm just going to try one position and see if i can get that one to work right and it's only maybe a five percent position right so just to it now it's not to make the money back make the losses back it's can i get back in sync with the market right yeah you don't want to be doing revenge trades it's uh it's, it's more about as you said getting back in sync with the market but i think there's also that element that you're talking about is you're not giving up you're still doing something you're still being engaged uh, a lot of times you know, there's a tendency for people to say, look, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. I'm not yep. going to play this game anymore. And then that, unfortunately, is a lot of times right at the bottom or right when things are about to turn. And so uh, here again, it's that persistence sometimes. I mean, you look at some of the greatest traders. Uh, I mean, Warren Buffett, uh, Bill O'Neill. I mean, one thing that they had going for them was time. 
right? They, they were able to build these fortunes because they just kept at it for so long uh, and you know had great returns, but over a long period of time. I mean, that's where the compounding just really works in your favor. Yeah, and Justin, I, I remember hearing a, a story uh, back yeah, uh, with the with some of the portfolio managers like ten plus years ago, uh, and even longer like that. But it, and it, and it helped me out when I when I would hear these stories of uh, even Bill, you know. But but portfolio managers struggling. Oh yeah, right? and it's like oh you know that at least they're also struggling too. You know they're they're human too. They're making mistakes. But why don't you tell that? Why don't you tell a story about uh, one? Because you used to be very closely involved. Uh, well, yeah, I would see the sheets. I was, you know, the assistant to Bill O'Neill, and I would see the sheets coming. And uh, I remember in 2007, it it was a struggle for most of the year. And uh, in February, you had the Shanghai surprise. Boom! The you know the, the Hang Seng index, I think, was down like seven percent in one day, and it just it felt like it came out of nowhere. And then you know, as soon as you started getting your bearings. Few months later, boom! Just another, you know, seemingly out of nowhere hit uh, to the to the Nasdaq Composite. And so, again, a lot of the a lot of the portfolio managers they were, you know, getting their bearings, they were starting to make progress, and then it would get all taken away. And so, a lot of them were flat. But then, again, they were they still were keeping at it. I mean, that was their job. And in August, things started to turn. And sep- September and October were so strong. I think the market kind of topped, I want to say mid-November, but just those two and a half months, I saw some of the portfolio managers go from basically flat to 100% gains. And again, it's not to say that every market is like that, just like every market is not like 2020. Um, That was a phenomenal time, but it just kind of goes to show you that that persistence really can help you out uh, being there at the right time, because that time does eventually come. You just have to kind of wait it out and then know well enough that, hey, the, the market is giving me this feedback that now I am in sync. And once it does give you that feedback, then you start going hard. Then you start going aggressive. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to go into some of the stocks that are on Arusha's radar. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Do you want to conquer market volatility? we can help you protect your hard-earned capital. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how VantagePoint's AI technology can forecast stock market trends up to 72 hours in advance with incredible accuracy. VantagePoint's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds, so you can finally stop guessing what's going to happen next. Check out www.freestockcoaching.com and experience VantagePoint for free. Learn how successful traders generate their wealth. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. I'm your host, Justin Nielsen, and I'm joined by my special guest star, the Amanda to my Allison, Arusha Paris. Uh, well, thanks. Well, Justin, you, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to be the guest that never leaves, though. Right, today. exactly. Exactly how Amanda was on Melrose Place. So uh, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and get into some stocks, some really good stuff that you shared with us uh, about your kind of uh, whole uh, process, I guess, here, uh, Arusha. But now let's start talking a little bit about where you're at in your process now and what stocks are on your radar. What do you got? Yeah, so the, the first one is... Uh, U, Unity, ticker symbol U. Unity Software is a stock that I'm keeping an eye on right now. Right? If, if, you're lo- if you're looking at the charts, and uh, for those of you who are obviously listening, you can always go back and watch the video 
on investors.com slash podcast. But uh, here with Unity, it has a lot of work to do. So this is more a, a company that I just like the story and I, I just find it really, really interesting. So it's on what we call kind of a, a universe list where mm-hmm. it's put, put stocks that are interesting. They're not ready right now. They're far from, uh, far from forming a base, but let's just put it. So you check this list maybe every couple of weeks so you don't lose track of them. So th- this is one of those stocks where it came out, it went public last year. It actually broke out of an IPO base and went on a great, great run. Uh, and so I was in it at that point. I was like, oh, wow, you know, I, I, you know, this might be one of those stocks that never comes back. But right. like a lot of IPOs and most IPOs, they will uh, fall apart eventually and, and kind of go sideways for, for a while. Uh, so so here, here are some of the things that I like about Unity. So what, what they are, they are a 3D content creation platform. And so they're focused on games. That's their main thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are mobile games. So they're, they've created this platform that's used to create mobile games. Now, what was interesting is 70% of so this is for the developers, really. For the developers, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So the developers are using this platform to create games. Um, so 70% of the top 1,000 mobile games are using their platform. That's a little bit of market share. <laughs> it's just a tad, right? <laughs> uh, and, and so with this platform, you, you can build it once and you can deploy it to many different platforms. So you can put it on PlayStation, Xbox, uh, the Mac, the PC, Nintendo Switch. So everything you, you can put it on. Uh, now, the, the really the interesting thing that really stuck out to me, because it's, it's a platform, but obviously there's always competition. But with this, if you're a developer, you really only have two choices. You have Unity's platform or Epic Games platform. There, mm-hmm. So it's a duopoly. So there's only two platforms that you can choose in this market that's growing. Mobile games are growing. And so in many ways, this is a picks and shovels play, right? Where you don't necessarily have to bet on the publisher that's making a Call of Duty or something like that. Uh, what, what's the next great game? You can just bet on the tools right. that everyone's using. So, so you know, whatever I, the great game is going to be of the future, they're probably going to be using. There's a seventy percent chance they're going to use Unity software tools, <laughs> at least for the mobile games. Exactly, yeah. and, and so, so that that's what really stuck out to me. Now, augmented reality. Uh, there, a lot of a lot of uh, developers who are developing programs for augmented reality are also using Unity's platform, and also they're trying to get uh, this platform more involved in movies, into aerospace, into automotive, because augmented reality is kind of going everywhere. But uh, with the movie space, if you watched the recent versions of Jungle Book and Lion King, Mm -hmm. uh, some of those scenes were used uh, using Unity's platform to create. Um, a lot of the CGI and whatever, but I mean, like the, I mean, the Jungle Book. I, I watched that one. It's it's phenomenal, right? It's all like the looks like the the real animals talking right. and stuff like that. It's not the cartoon version, mm-hmm. but so it's really well done. And, and it's not so, the old uh, Mr. Ed, you know, chewing on pe- peanut butter. No, uh-huh. no, it's not. <laughs> so so those are kind of the things that stick out to me. Is this is a growing market? There's only two choices, uh, and 
and it's not only just gaming, they have other applications and they're, and, and so the potential is pretty big, even just outside of gaming. So it's both gaming and outside of gaming. Unity could be, have more and more demand right now. So um, th those are kind of the things. So I'm keeping an eye on it, but I don't watch it every day. Okay. And so now how much does it bother you that this is not something that has earnings yet? You know, it's, it's not profitable. Now, I, I should say that the, the revenue growth, which it seems like since 2018, a lot of companies have been rewarded for having strong revenue growth. And this is revenue growth. It's not, it's not, million, you know, it's not these tiny amount of millions. It's, you know, you're talking 200 million per quarter. So it's got double digit revenue growth, but not profitable yet. Does that bother you? Yeah, it always bothers me, but this is almost kind of the classic software company, like 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 mm -hmm. you're you're alluding to there, where it uh, a lot of these companies are really going for market share. They're they're willing to sacrifice earnings in the short term to try to get as many developers onto their platforms, right. and then slowly increase the prices. Right. So uh, so yeah, Make it a must have for the developers, and then. They're stuck. Yeah, and, and <laughs> they don't want to learn options. something else. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the switching costs are huge yeah. once you get used to. It. I mean, we've seen that at you know at IBD. Once you once you start integrating all these platforms and stuff like that, and you have all your systems running on it, it's very hard to to get off. It. And you only switch if you really have to. Right. And I should mention that we actually did put this on Swing Trader. Now we're we're you know, for Swing Trader, we're going to be doing a short-term play on this. We've got earnings coming up in 13 days. You can see that down here, EPS due. Look, this is not the strongest relative strength. We know that. But it did get support here at its 50-day moving average line. The 200-day, it's I, I can't think of any stocks that we've ever put on that were below the 200-day. 200-day just, you know, just appeared. But again, this was breaking a downtrend. So uh, we decided to do a short, uh, a short-term play on this, uh, give it a shot, and... Uh, maybe see if it's it's everything that Arusha has said it's cracked up to be, at least <laughs> well, on the what, short term. Uh, well, what's interesting is if it can get past that 115 level, yeah, right now maybe it can build the right-hand side of this really huge type of base right here. Right. Um, but honestly, this is probably still three months away, six months away from, yeah. from really being considered, hey, this is a, a must-own stock and have a high concentration in the portfolio. Yeah, okay, so let's go from you to you. YOU, uh, which is an IPO, and this is Clear Secure Inc. Uh, what is it that they do? Yeah, it, it, it's really funny, and I th I think this is this is a good lesson. I think for every everybody out there is you're going to run across some stocks that you just recognize in just right. in your everyday life, mm -hmm. and so I was just looking at at this stock, uh, and I just. You know, I, I on the technical side, like, okay, it's a new IPO. It, it's starting to kind of build the 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 U shape base, but then I saw the name of it. I was like, Clear Secure. So every time I would go to LAX, you you, know, you have uh, you have these lines that you have to deal with, and I have I would have TSA pre, so I could go through one special line uh, and get skip like kind of the normal line, which is always beautiful. Keep but your shoes on. Keep your belt on. Keep keep my shoes on, which is really really nice. Uh, but then there was an even more special line. There's right. like a more elite line. And I was like, what is this? And so this was like the clear line, the clear secure line where they're using biometrics and they have machines right there. And you can, I, I guess they're using their, to scan their eyes, right? Yeah, the, yeah you just scan. put your retina up there yeah. and um, boom, you know, it's, it, it's done. So again, what they, what they can do is basically say, hey, we don't, 
we don't need to see your ID. We can see your eye and, you know, we can identify who you are. And I mean, that's very, uh, very clear. So you don't need a person visually uh, checking out that ID. Well, and I'm not sure if you've been to the website, but this also has not just at airports, but there's also uh, sports venues, some stadiums that are uh, using clear technology. And so it's, it's expanding out to more than just airports. Uh, Which is interesting that it's, but I don't know how I, I it's going to be interesting to see how accepted this yeah, is, right? right? Uh, it, it may be years, it may be 20, 30 years before something like this is really accepted as biometric stuff, because it, it really is becoming like minority report. It is an interesting idea, right? Mm -hmm. Now maybe it's ahead of its time. Uh, they have some in, they have some earnings here, uh, so it's something that I'm not necessarily rushing out to buy right now. But it, it's one of those stocks that could kind of just go. It's it's new technology. It, they're kind of starting maybe even a new category, right? Where all of a sudden there might be a lot of demand. Like I didn't even think about the sporting events, but. Who knows? Maybe other maybe other businesses, like really secure businesses, are going to use this. And in, in, in addition to, I'm sure governments are using it. Um, so these guys could have a a really interesting thing here, especially if they have a moat around their business. Uh, but the the reason why we brought it up is everyday life. Sometimes you'll run across some of these things, right. and so when you see see that stock, and then all of a sudden it's a new new company, pay attention because it. It could at least uh, be profitable. You may be able to, you know, make some money on it to pay for that membership. Yeah, exactly. Good point. So, speaking of something you might be running across in your everyday life, um, I don't know about you, Arusha. I personally am not on Snap, but well, I am only because if I want to communicate with my daughters, uh, this is basically <laughs> the only way I can do it. Uh, they, you know, they can be in a room with each other communicating through Snap uh, instead of talking to each other. And of course, you know, there's there's all sorts of um, I mean, my 16 year old, I watch her on it and she's like, she'll respond to 20 people within about five seconds. And I don't understand how, how she does it so quickly, but, uh, what is it about snap that intrigues you since you don't have uh, daughters that are, <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, and I don't even use, uh, I don't know if I've ever used it, but the, the, the platform, but I will take a video of my daughter for you. Just, uh, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> well, I, well, the one, the one, the one reason why I was aware of it, uh, besides that they are our neighbors here in, in Venice and they mm -hmm. bought up all of Venice a few years ago when they went public, but, um, uh, is the, they can do those, they have that technology to, you know, put, what do they call it? Justin, you're, you're filters. Asking filters yeah. yes mm -hmm. where where they can put you they can put all little kind of uh different different types of things on your face or yeah my daughters yeah. have had beards they put a beard on my seven-year-old uh <laughs> you know uh, horns a halo you know you name it you know all sorts of things uh, yeah and so when i saw that years ago i was like ah, you know this is probably a fad but apparently it's not but they they had there's they obviously are making this technology very very popular uh because everyone seems to be using it uh and so that that is kind of uh, one one reason why you can kind of uh, kept it on the radar. Now I haven't done a great job of really profiting off of this company, uh, but Justin pulled up a, a weekly chart here. Really, where Snap set up perfectly 
was uh, last year in the fall when it formed that cup with the handle. So if it this, it spent like three years. So immediately, kind of like Facebook, right? Yeah, what, very much like Facebook. It, it blew up immediately, right? A lot this, of fanfare. Oh my gosh, it's finally coming public. Now's our chance. And then they kill the stock, right? Because it's it's too hyped up. They kill the stock. It it goes all the way down. I think to four. And or $5. analysts were still kind of scratching their heads. Well, it's great that they have this, you know, all these subscribers, but how are they going to make money? And that's the name of the <laughs> That's game, what it was right? with Facebook, too. Exactly. Uh, so very similar to, to the Facebook story. So they need to spend a few years to uh, really prove to the institutions that these guys could, they, they can make money. Uh, but the, in the September, they formed a cup with a handle, which the reason why we look at patterns is it starts to pick up some real consistent institutional accumulation. And that was a really nice constructive cup with handle there and then they reported earnings so that within that cup with handle there are some institutions really betting that they were going to blow out earnings they were rewarded six weeks later when the stock gapped up monster you know, just in a monster way on earnings you can see uh, there's a when you're on looking at these marketing charts take a look at the huge weekly volume on snapchat on 55 percent change that week uh, what was it? 55% change, change that on week. October 23rd, 2020. So that was kind of the game changing. It went in all time highs there. That's when Snap finally proved to Wall Street that they can make money. And this is an institutional quality stock. After that, it's been doing well. It formed a really kind of choppy base. And I, tr I was trying it a little bit in here and there, but I was getting whipped around. But last week, they reported earnings again, excited Wall Street, and it gapped up again. So I tried it on the gap up, just I bought a little bit there, and I've been slowly. And that was a 23%, 24% gain on the 23rd of July. Yeah, and so what this is, is there's a breakaway gap on earnings. And so it emerged into new highs on huge volume. So it's a powerful breakout. And this is the type of breakouts that I like to buy, right? You get earnings out of the way. It's, it's a massive breakout coming out of a, a big trading range. And so here, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm betting that it's going to work. Now, obviously, if it starts to sell off um, and I'm down 8 plus percent, then I'm going to cut my losses on it, let it set up again. But this is setting up in, in a way, and it broke out in a way that, and it has this interesting growth type of story that I have to take a shot, you know, and, the, and I'll let the market tell me whether I'm right or wrong on this. Now, uh the fact that it undercut the low of that gap up, you know, so it's it's come in and filled in the gap a little bit, um, but I mean, it's really retained the bulk of those gains. Uh, is there a level where you're like, oh, this this isn't working, this needs more time, or it needs to handle out, and you need a you need to step away? Uh, do, what's what's the line in the sand for you? Yeah, a lot of times it's a few percent below the low of of the gap up day, right? So mm -hmm. this one came pretty close. Just but yesterday, when just it, yesterday, everything was getting tested. Yeah, and so they they don't make it easy all the time, right? Uh, so, but so it started coming in. I gave it till the end of the day before uh, being forced to do something. Or if it would say close at the end low of the day, I I would have been forced to lighten up on the position. I, I wouldn't have closed out of the whole position but I would have uh, lightened up on it. And given, a, given that smaller remaining amount of shares uh, the, to see if it, can, if it can come back. Now, today it came back. I bought a little bit back, but I'm still, I, I, I didn't go in with a big position out of, the, mm -hmm. out of the gap up, 
so I'm just slowly just buying, adding to the to the position right now, and and we'll we'll see if it works. I I, I think if the market can kind of get its footing and really start to start an uptrend right here, or at least our growth stocks can really all start to work, Snapchat should be one of the ones that joins the, the rest of them. Right. And we did have uh, Facebook earnings after the close today. So I, I saw it was trading down a little bit in after hours. We'll see how it opens up. Uh, Pins has look, been looking interesting, Pinterest. Uh, so again, you're looking at a lot of the the group members, uh, Pinterest reports earnings tomorrow after the close. Uh, so once this podcast drops, but uh, yeah, it's a good point. Um, some pretty good lessons there, Arusha. Uh, thank you for sharing your ideas with everyone. And thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure having you back, buddy. No, it, it's great. I'm, I'm glad you welcomed me back. I mean, maybe you can come in a dress in a little bit more casual manner next okay. time around. Um, next time I'll just have my pajamas like I normally <laughs> uh, show up at work <laughs> on Zoom at least when I don't have to use video. <laughs> Very good. So, well, next week, uh, Arusha is going to be back with me. We're going to be doing this together and we're also going to be tag teaming with Jim Ropel. Uh, Arusha, talk a little bit about Jim Ropel because you've known him for a long time. Yeah, Jim. Jim is uh, one, obviously one of the most popular uh, guests on the podcast, and and so when he heard that that I, I was uh, coming back to join forces with Justin, he wanted to to be the the first guest on the podcast. He is a portfolio manager. He has his own hedge fund at Ropel Capital Management. Ha always has amazing lessons to talk about, and you want to talk about persistence. You want to talk about just hanging around for the big waves. Yeah, you know, Jim. Uh, Jim uh, looks for the big waves. He tries to capture these great growth stocks, and in many though the things I always learned from Jim is, you know, try to hold them longer for the, for the big move, right? And uh, long time long time client of William O'Neill, right? Was has has been you know personally mentored by Bill O'Neill for many many years. Uh, so he's he always has some great stories to share, and, and uh, we're all going to learn a lot. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to that. We hope that you join us for that segment next week. Uh, that's it for this Investing with IBD podcast. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for next week. We'll see you then. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.